A real joy to be with you. And um, greetings from my wife, Pam. She's that mischievous one that comes and speaks as well sometimes. So, um, and uh, greetings from Woody's as well. I, I'm just sorry that the Sunday I'm with you is the one when Emma and Johnny are not here. And uh, they have loved being part of, uh, part of Ebby here. So uh, we pray every day for Ebby. It's got a very special place in our hearts. And uh, I suppose over many years we have... Um, felt that commitment to Ebby in terms of prayer and covering care and uh, that goes back many many years in fact this year um, I- I'm due to be stepping back from my sort of day-to-day responsibilities at, at Woodlands um, in terms of being the senior leader of the senior leadership team in terms of day-to-day operations but one of the wonderful things is I feel called very much to a life of prayer so it's just going to give more time to pray and more time to be able to be supportive to what God's doing in the wider realm across the city so I look forward to that, and uh, as Derek says, it's a joy to pray for you every day, and many of you to pray by name for you every day, and have done so for many years. That song we just sang is so true for, for Pam and I. All my life, Lord, you have been faithful, and we've so much to be grateful to God for. So you leave me with an open theme when I come to speak, which is always helpful because it means I can sense what God may be saying at this time into the life of the church. And I do feel some very strong stirring, so hold on to your seat today as you want to sense what God may be saying to us. And particularly I want to speak about a word that I felt God say for this year about priorities, priorities. And uh, what does it really mean to seek first God's kingdom? Not just to seek God's kingdom, but to seek it first of all of the things in our lives and a time when there's been pandemic all the challenges we've been facing of these recent years and the current challenges even just day to day in life of society and just the cost of living rise and all the challenges that come whether they're financial whether they're family issues whether they're work issues is a time when our priorities tend to get turned upside down for many people Rob don't talk about priorities it's just enough to survive but somehow for the kingdom of God there is something very special about when we Seek it first. So our reading is taken from Matthew's Gospel and these are these amazing words that help us to understand the challenge of seeking first God's kingdom. Hopefully it will come up, otherwise here we are. Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, so Jesus setting those priorities. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Now for most of us, that's the start of every day in what we're going to wear today, what we're going to eat today, for every mum, what, we're going to, what meals we're going to do. So, so these are the common things of life. And understandably they are, the necessities. And yet, if we become preoccupied with those things and we lose sight of the real priorities of life, and this is where Jesus is challenging. Therefore, uh, is not life more than food? The body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or sow, store away in barns. And yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. The rest of our world around us is preoccupied with those things. Everybody worries about those things. There's something different for us as the kingdom of God. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, we pray now that you bring these scriptures alive to us today. For every one of us here, Lord, some of us perhaps new to Abby, some of us have been here for many years, some of us perhaps even read that passage of scripture many times. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring it alive to us in fresh ways. My prayer today, Lord, is for every one of us as we leave this place. Lord, you'll be shaping our priorities in a new way. What it really means to seek first your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To seek first the kingdom of God. What do we mean by the kingdom of God? Every one of us who are followers of Jesus have become to know him. We are part of that kingdom. In fact, um, the very words of Jesus, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God and can't enter the kingdom of God. So when you become a Christian, you're born of the spirit of God and the family of God through faith in Jesus, that value of that cross of Jesus. Through that sacrifice, he's made it possible for us to enjoy forgiveness, and new life, and freedom. And that moment we become part of the kingdom of God. That means that the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is key to our lives. It's about living in obedience to him. We're going to think a little bit today of what that means for us every day of our lives. Everything. What we eat, what we drink, what we put on. And with all the challenges of pandemic when, you know, life can be very confusing, tiring, wearing. You get to the end of a day and you just slump into a chair and, you know, the last thing you feel you want to do is try and pray. It's much easier just to put the telly on and watch it or, you know, if you want to read, well, just catch up on the newspaper rather than read the Bible. And, and just the daily rhythms of life have got so disturbed during pandemic. And what does it mean to readjust those priorities again? Our time, our energy, our money, our resources. How do we seek first God's kingdom? And so the two things I'm going to particularly touch on today where Jesus sets those priorities. First is the great command. And the second is the Great Commission. This is Jesus setting priorities for life, for all time, for every generation. And Jesus says about the Great Command, this is the Great Command, but not just the Great Command. Jesus says this is the first and Great Command. This is the priority of life. Above all other things, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with your whole being. A key priority for our lives in so many areas of it is, is that devotion to God. How real is that love for God? Even for Jesus with his own disciples, as we've just been thinking of the Easter story and that resurrection moment where he's on the shores of Galilee and the disciples, they've all run away. One of them betrayed him, Peter's denied him, and they, they, they meet him. And as their eyes meet over that fire on the lakeside, the first thing, what's Jesus going to say? I told you so. Why did you do it? But the first thing he says is, Simon... Son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you love me? Is that the most important thing? Yes. Even at the end of the Bible in Revelation where it's that kind of offset of the church, looking at overview of the churches. But the one thing he challenges is that you've lost your first love. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to keep fresh, even with all the challenges that pandemic has brought, that first love, that love for Jesus. It's a priority of life, all of the things. Even many times, you know, 
Folk may come for prayer or pastoral needs. There are so many situations of life one is often dealing with every day almost. And yet, you know, often the very first thing I'm looking for with a person is not just how we answer this problem, we sort of, but how do you discover afresh that first love for Jesus? It's the key to so many things in our life. When that first love is there, it shapes everything else. That devotion to Jesus. To love him with our whole being. Now it's interesting what then follows because Jesus then says, now the second commandment is like this, is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now here we hit a kind of challenge, almost a dichotomy really. Because if you love God with your whole being, all your mind, all your soul, all your being, well, what am I meant to love my neighbor with? Is it I just kind of somehow from the dregs of life manage to find a little bit more heart or a little bit more mind or a little bit more, well, just how, how do I, what, I, I love God my whole being you say, that's me. And that's the way it's meant to be. Here is this divine truth, this amazing key to the kingdom. You love God with your whole being, that's you completely. But then when you do that, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. A love that doesn't just come out of our, our human energy and efforts. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So God can produce in us a love that we could not naturally know. In fact, the surprise sometimes is that you find you love people that you thought previously were unlovable. You find you do things you never thought you could have done. You find you say things and you think, goodness, was that me? No, it wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit in you. It's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and it's the key to understanding these priorities because when you love God with your whole being then God enables you to be able to love even the most difficult the most awkward situation it's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts now it's a real challenge because over the years often what happens even in in church life in religious life, you see, religion can sometimes become a duty rather than devotion. A, a, a de duty to various practices or procedures or expectations rather than a real devotion to God in which everything flows from that. And the challenge is that over the years, in many church situations institutionally, we have changed the order of things. So for many, the second command has become the first command. Now, the second command is such a noble command. To love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, what could you ask more of that? But if it becomes the first command, then we lose the whole basis on which we can fulfill it. It is the first command that makes the second possible. Now, in case you're not clear on that about love, I mean, one of the greatest passages on love in the Bible would be 1 Corinthians 13, that amazing passage on love. And it says this, If I give all that I possess to the poor, Wow, that is the highest expression of human love. I mean, what could you ask more? If you're loving your neighbor, you give all that you possess to the poor. And yet, have not love. What do you mean, have not love? Surely this is love. You give all you've got to the poor. No, 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 no. That is a second command, is to love your neighbor as yourself. But without the first then where does this love come from? It can just be human philanthropy. It can be kindness. And in our world, there are many wonderful examples of kindness and human care and, and philanthropic efforts, which we applaud. But there is a love divine. All loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. It's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you sense that love welling up, 
Somehow there's an energy in a life that means you're lightening up drain, trying out of duty to, to be as kind as you can, as helpful as you can, and, and, and doing all those things. But if it's just our human love, that's why the great thing about the noise is about demonstrating God's love in action. I must hasten, but that first great command is Jesus' priority for our lives. But the second, as we look at it too, then, is the Great Commission. The Great Commission of Jesus among his last words here on earth was to his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to command all that I've obeyed you, all that I've taught you, as it were. But then those amazing words at the end, and lo, because it's an amazing thing, Jesus gives this Great Commission to the disciples at a moment he's about to leave them, you think, Lord, fancy saying this to us now when you're about to go. But Jesus says, no, no, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because he's now to pour out of his spirit into our lives to make it possible by his Holy Spirit. And here's the priority that Jesus gives to it. In Mark 13, verse 10, it says this. This gospel must first be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. He goes on to say how... The Son of Man will come in the clouds in great power and glory. He goes on to speak about that amazing way in which the second coming of Jesus. And the urgency, therefore, of sharing this good news. And I want to just think a little bit about that priority for life which is motivated and stimulated when we realize afresh that coming again of Jesus. I used to wonder when it said in scripture I knew we need to live in expectation but it says you're not just waiting for but you're hastening the coming of the Lord think, well, how can you hasten the coming of the Lord we don't know exactly when it's going to be but we hasten the coming every time we share this good news we're hastening the coming of the Lord because this gospel must first be preached to all nations and then the end will come and sometimes we've lost I think the, the sense of urgency of that great commission the challenge of sharing that good news in our everyday lives, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, that gossiping of the gospel. See, today, around the world, here in Bristol, and as I say, all around the world, millions of people will say these words. They won't just, as it were, sing them. They'll actually declare them. They declare these words. I'm going to test you as to how you might know them. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. Millions of people around the world have declared that this morning. I wonder if we interviewed them as they were coming out of church and said, hey, did I hear you say aloud? No, you just say that Christ will come again. Yeah, we say it every Sunday. Yeah, but, 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 but what does that mean? Do you really believe that Jesus will come again? How does it shape your life? How does it impact your life? How does it shape the priorities of your life? The sense that if this gospel must first be preached to all nations, then the end will come. How do we live in the light of that? Every day of my life, for many years now, before the children were born, but I will say first thing in the morning, even on a winter's day when it's dark at night, but I'll look up into the, into the heaven every day of my life, I will say it this morning, and I will say these words. Is it today, Lord? Is it today? Somehow that shapes my priorities for the day. If I knew that Jesus was coming today, if it were today, 
what things I think are so important to do that no longer seem important. What are the things I, I would left, left undone that suddenly seem so much more urgent? See, for Jesus, he was constantly reminding his disciples he was here on earth. Those amazing words in John where he says, you know, even the face of death where some folk were facing that and wanted to change, but let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If you're not, I would have told you so. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you to myself that you may be with me where I am I'll come again even the last moments of Jesus' life on earth as he's ascending up into heaven and you remember the disciples were there with gaping mouths and gazing eyes as Jesus literally has ascended in front of them on that mount and this message comes from heaven you men of Galilee why stand you gazing up into heaven this same Jesus as you have seen go up from you in the clouds shall so come in the same manner as you have seen him go. What, you, you mean Jesus is going to suddenly appear again in the clouds, just as he ascended in those clouds? How is it going to happen? Well, again, Thessalonians gives you, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a voice, with the sound of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first and those of us who are still alive at this moment, those of us who are still alive will be caught up together with him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now perhaps those who may be more cynical or questioning might say, but wait, Robert, 2,000 years have passed since that promise. 2,000 years? We're 2,022, Rob. And you're still saying that Jesus may come again. In our modern age, you still expect that somehow he's going to break into history again. You see, there were so many promises of Jesus' first coming, hundreds of years before ever he appeared on the earth as a baby born in a manger. Centuries and centuries before have been the promises of him. When he came, it was least expected. Now, Peter is now an old man towards the end of his life. He was there when Jesus said those words and he's, he's writing his letters to the church and preparing them. He says, I've not got much longer with you, he says, but I want you to understand this, that in those last days, generations to come maybe, those last days, scoffers will come. It'll be an age of cynicism and sarcasm as we see so much in our media day where, where everything, you take a bit of a mick of it, take a joke as it were about religion, even Jesus coming again. The scoffers will come and say, where is his coming then? 2,000 years have passed. Where is he? Don't be ignorant of this. And it's interesting how it says it. Because 2,000 years have passed, but it actually says, a thousand years with the Lord is like one day. So 2,000 years have passed. That's day before yesterday. In God's timing. Ah, you say, those who are a bit more cynical say, well, then we are. It could be 10,000 years. It could be any time. No, 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 no. It's not carelessness. It's not that God is loose or careless about his promises. He's patient, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, that this gospel must first be preached to all nations. Then the end will come. But it will come, he says. And then, like a thief in the night, in the moment when we least expect, How should that coming shape our priorities? How should it shape every day of my life? Is it today, Lord? How should it shape the things? Am I just going to be preoccupied as I wake up, think what I'm going to wear today, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink? Or am I seeking first that kingdom? 
Is that what shapes my life? How am I sharing that good news? We're not just talking about standing in front or preaching, but just day to day, everybody, every day of our lives there are opportunities. We meet people. We, I mean, just the other day, Pam and I, on a Wednesday, we usually try and go for a walk on a Wednesday morning. And um, we were going this particular Wednesday morning, this is just before Christmas, and um, we were going down to do a walk on the Seven Way down by Seven Beach there. There's a, if have been honest, it's a great little walk along there. Uh, a few nods. And so on the way down, we go uh, um, down through Easter Compton, down through Pilning, and we're just going past Pilning there. And suddenly on the side of the road, there's this trailer, this uh, lorry, well, a trailer from a lorry, as it were, with plants on it, lots of plants, and it got a big sign saying, Bargains, Plants for a Pound. Now, my Pam cannot resist a bargain. They could have been selling satellite dishes, but she cannot resist a bargain. And as the plant, so screech of the brakes, we stop, and sure enough, Pam, before long, has chosen out at least three or four plants that she could have taken, pound each. I mean, it was a real bargain. And the instructions were you needed to ring on the door a little cottage of the farm there, and I presume the farm would come out. And so Pam went down this path, and we were together. I was following her carrying the plants, and, uh, and uh, uh, she rings on the doorbell. And out comes this dear old farmer. A really ancient, really weather-beaten face and that, but he had his arm all bandaged up really bad. Now, you know my Pam, of course. My love, she said, what have you been doing? And so he said, oh, he said, I fell off a stepladder. When we talked about it, he was only off the first step, but he fell off and really got a badly bruised arm. And he was going to see the doctor the next day. He was in a lot of pain. And as Pam is having that little conversation, that moment where those promptings of God's spirit, see, the love of God should have brought in our hearts means that the Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to express that love, bursting to do it all the time. He's prompting us. And Pam felt as she's talking, getting the money, pray for him. Never met him in our life before. No. Pray for him. Oh, well, I'll pray when I get... No, no, pray for him now. And so she says, my love, she said, I'm so sorry you're in such a lot of pain. She said, can I pray for you? And he sort of says, well, you know, next time you go to church, that'd be great. No, can can I pray for you now? And he looks a little surprised as... Pam reaches out and prays for him. As she prays for him, she really felt the Holy Spirit just touching him and, and the pain he was in, relieved. And he looked really surprised. He said, oh, he said, I don't know what's happened. He said, well, this is when we pray. God is hearing those prayers. And anyway, we're on our way now down towards getting, we've got to get to our walk now. And, and, uh, and um, we're talking together. And, and Pam, a few weeks later, was going to speak at a little church called Emmaus in Seven Beach. That's just a little beside the walk in fact the walk almost goes beside it and so she's she's there speaking she says to john miller who's a, uh, got a senior leader there whose father had a farm before him been there for years said john we met this little farmer up the road there's a place we got to oh he said that's farmer david he said he used to come to our sunday school my dad used to teach me the sunday school years ago and so pam tells the story oh he says we'll invite him to our christmas services and see if he can sure enough they do and he comes to the christmas services and already god is at work in his life but i mean Every one of us, we meet Farmer David's every day of our lives. Every day of our life, we meet a Farmer David somewhere. On a bus stop, in a shop, in a queue, a neighbor, a friend, a family. It's just whether we're sensitive to those promptings of God's spirit. That love of God welling up in our hearts and sensing. You know, as you think, well, Robin, too busy. Yeah, yeah, humanly speaking, you wouldn't be able to do it, maybe. Humanly speaking, but the love of God is broader than the measure of man's mind, the heart of the eternal, most wonderfully kind. There's something when God stirs that, that that overrules our human priorities. Even though you've got to get on your walk, somehow your priorities get shaped by that. Now, over the years, even in sharing with folk times about 
the second coming of Jesus. Even folk or Christians I've known sometimes get a bit kind of questions. I, I was talking to a person been a Christian for many, many years, and I talked about and he said, Oh Rob, I used to really be enthusiastic about the coming again of the Lord. But I read this book. It was a, a book that was written nearly a hundred years ago now, and the person was expecting Jesus to come any day, but he didn't come. And he said, I read another one the other day where somebody else they were expecting, and that was about, you know, 150 years ago. He didn't come. So it, it, what a disappointment for people. Is, is it just that we're raising expectations? No, no. No, this is the amazing truth about the second coming of Jesus. That every generation is meant to live in the light of it. You see, it's not like... Um, if I were to illustrate a cross-country walk from John O'Groats to Land's End, but I'm going right down the middle of the country, right? And I've never seen the sea before, and I can't wait till I get there and see it. I'm looking forward to it. As I go over this next hill, it's over the hill. I get over the hill, it's not there. Uh, and then I'm on another one, I'm another little hill, and I get over the hill, it's not there. Is life like that? Just a long disappointment, a story of history? No, 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 no. The walk is like this. And this is true of history itself. It's like a coastal walk. I come from John O'Groats to Land's End, but I'm going right the way around the coast. Every day of my life, I can smell the sea air. Every day of my life, I can hear those waves lapping. Every day of my life, I'm conscious of that ocean, that ocean that one day, when I get to Land's End, but I'm aware of, and it shapes sometimes all that I'm doing. For every generation, God's intention is we live in the light of his coming. Is it a day, Lord? Why? Because it shapes our priorities. It brings eternity into time. Somehow the things that preoccupy life, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to put on, no longer seem so important in the light of seeking first his kingdom. The great command to love God with our whole being, to allow the Holy Spirit to express that love through me as the fruit of the Spirit. And the great commission that this gospel must first be preached. And we're part of that hastening of the coming again of Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's stand as we pray if we can and let's just be open in these moments again for all of us. No doubt we came to the service today with things on our mind we've got to get done today. Things this coming week that maybe decisions we've got to make. Challenges in our lives, our families and those around us. There may be health issues, it may be financial, it may be work, it may be so many other things that preoccupy us. They're all valid concerns, understandable cares. But in the light of eternity, what are the real priorities of our life? What does it really mean to seek first God's kingdom? Above all other things. Come Holy Spirit, come now. Sift through the motivations of our living. The preoccupations of our lives. And Lord, help us to sense afresh what it is to seek first your kingdom for our personal lives, our family life, our church, Lord. What it means for these priorities to shape our vision, our values, all that we do every day. Come now by your Spirit, Lord. Quicken within us that welling up afresh of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us afresh with your Spirit and filling us with your Spirit, the fruit of your Spirit, that love, that joy, that peace, that goodness, that gentleness, Lord. Fill us with that fresh sense of eternity, what it is to live our lives in the light of your coming. Is it today, Lord? In Jesus' name.